uh, for me, this is uh, a particularly special day in our family. Today is Amy and mine's 18th wedding anniversary. And so for us, that is much uh, occasion of celebrating. Uh, we have in the last month, however, been sort of working on the part of the vows that say in sickness and in health uh, more than at other times because we have had sickness in our home uh, for about a month now. And as our first child got it, it's kind of hard just not to share things in the house. We were kind of waiting, but it took a little while before the other two got it and then the other two got it. And so all three of our kids had it. And then our goal was we just hope that they're recovering before we crash. And thankfully, they were recovering before we crashed. But then this week was our week to crash. Uh, and I am thankfully uh, rebounding um, well, and hence I'm here. Amy is not as much, and so she's lagging behind me a couple of days. So one of the most loving things I could do for our anniversary was just to get the kids out of the house and let her have some alone time. So we're here with you at church, uh, and they're back in the, the Sunday school wing, and she has a little bit of peace and quiet. But then the, the mood of the week in the home meant our appropriate hymn of the week was, I Need Thee Every Hour, uh, which was a really good hymn. It's appropriate in every situation, but it was also a good uh, way to, to close out each day this, this week uh, for us and to have the joy of knowing God is with us in each and every season. Uh, here is Psalm 12. It says, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is master over us? And because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl as vile, vileness is exalted among the children of men. And this is where we'll conclude our reading. As a church family, we're going through the Psalms, uh, one Psalm a week, and here we are now in the 12th week of this year, and so we find ourselves in the Psalm, and they're very expressive each time of sort of the emotional life of, of the author uh, himself, and so we come some weeks, and there is a lot of joy being expressed and, and celebration, and we come sometimes, and there's a lot of concern and lament, frustration, uh, and anger, uh, but there is an authenticity to this book of the, the humanity of, of the authors and the situations that we are encountering, which is part of what makes it possible for us, even in reading them, often so times, uh, so many times, to sense that uh, we, we could be reading something that was in a journal we might have written uh, in the past few months. And so when we think back on how many thousands of years ago these words were likely recorded, it reveals to us just how powerful it is that when we speak out of our humanity to God, that we, it connects us to other people, uh, other people here and now and other people who have gone before us and who've lived this life and wrestled with many of the things that we have wrestled with uh, in, in our own journeys. 
And I submit to you that one of the points of application from uh, this psalm, though he didn't have these words yet because Jesus had not come into the earth and expressed them, was this strong conviction that it is the truth that sets us free. Um, Those are the words of Jesus when he came uh, many years and, and generations after this psalm was written. But when he said to his followers that it is the truth that ultimately sets each and every one of us free. And we can only make progress in life if we are dealing in the truth. We cannot make progress or growth in an appropriate and healthy way if we're doing it based on deception or lies or misinformation or oftentimes even just partial information. We know that uh, perception is not reality many of the times, right? But it's also true that perception is the reality we're usually dealing with. (laughs) We know that perception and reality are not always the same thing, but perception is often the reality in which we're living. And so if you perceive somebody to be friendly towards you, you'll interact with them in a certain way. If you perceive a situation to be against you or hostile towards you or you're you're, you're unsure of what's going to happen. Uh, again, just even that perception will affect the way in which you engage people. That can happen not only uh, person to person, but as we think about memories that have accumulated in our lives at different places and times. There are some now environments where you can go and you just relax. And everybody can see that you're in a place of comfort and you can uh, just be yourself. And there's other places that you don't have good memories in. And just to be in those physical places can cause you to tense up and become anxious. And you're not sure what's going on, but it now affects how you read the room, how you perceive what is going on. And so we are regularly all the time wrestling with trying to discover what is actually true. (laughs) What did that person say What really happened in that moment? Did I have a proper understanding of what was said as we were communicating with one another? Did I hear what you were trying to say or did I hear what I thought you were trying to say? Uh, it, It is a regular bit of energy and work for us to get to the truth of the matter. But as Christians, we believe there is truth, that truth is objective. It's not based on our feelings, or even ultimately our perceptions. It is something that we can and should pursue and seek to discover and get clarity with one another about because it is always and only the truth that ultimately sets us free. So here the psalmist is grieving the fact that he's surrounded by a lot of untruth. And so if it is the truth that sets us free, One of the things that it frees us from is from flattery and deception. It's interesting that as the psalmist is grieving how much untruth is around him, part of what becomes clear is a lot of what is being said that is untrue is actually still stuff that we could say is still very nice about things or about people. So lying does not only have to do with sort of Uh, tearing down someone's character or being negative about a situation, we can lie positively as well. 
And that's here what David is highlighting uh, more than others. There are a lot of flattering uh, words and statements that are going around. So the situation that, that David is grieving is nobody seems to be willing to be honest with the fact that things are not okay. And everybody's just saying nice things, going along to get along, that if I just maybe say nice things to you, you'll say nice things to me, and we can move on. And it's happening at a, at a national level such that a lot of significant issues are being ignored because nobody wants to raise their hand and identify what's wrong. And so there's a lot of flattery. There's a lot of positive things that are being said that aren't actually true. Uh, or then it's a, a double heart speaking. And so in one environment saying one thing and then in another environment saying a completely different thing. I heard flattery defined this way one time and it was powerful and it stuck ever since that flattery is saying to somebody's face what you would never say behind their back. Saying to somebody's face what you would never say behind their back. Oh, I love you. It's so good to see you. I've been thinking about you and praying for you. And then if somebody's standing by, what's that person's name again? I have no idea, you know, who that is. I was, um, I was just trying to think of something nice to say. And we all at times uh, need to, to think of kind words uh, to say to one another. But this is specifically not just an individual person, but this is happening at a large scale where there is so much deception and nobody wants to speak the truth that the lies that are mostly going forth are, are lies that are masquerading the reality of the pain and the hurt that is around them. And if we believe the truth ultimately sets us free, one of the things it sets us free from is from flattery and deception. None of us should desire for ourselves that people would think that the way to love us is to never say an unkind thing about us. That if they loved us, they would never be critical of us. That if they loved us, they would never tell us that we could do things better. Instead, we should say the people who love us should be willing to lovingly point out to us when we are missing the mark, when we are being harsh, when we need to be corrected. If, if the loving people won't do that for us, then who will? Wouldn't you rather be rebuked by a friend? Wouldn't you rather be corrected by someone who loves you, who has enough relationship with you, that you can say, I don't think you're just mad at me today. I don't think you're just uh, against me. I think you're saying this because you're for me. I think you're saying this because you love me. And how else could I grow or mature over time unless people who love me actually speak the truth to me? And so David is grieving the fact that there is not this openness and this transparency, this confidence and trust enough in the truth to do its work that there's a willingness to therefore speak the truth. We don't know all the things that uh, might have been said when he was young and when he was sort of first invited onto the scene um, in, a, in a very public way. But, but he came at a time when most of the leadership around him was paralyzed to do anything about Goliath. 
and most of the commanders of the army, I mean, it was a nation that was frozen. Unwillingness to stand up and speak the truth. And to speak the truth that God is with us and we have a responsibility to defend his name. But that would have been one of the examples, though I don't think the psalm was written on that occasion, but would have been back in David's mind of this. Why is everybody in charge not saying what needs to be said in this moment? <laughs> Acknowledging the risks that every, everybody's dealing with in this moment. At other times in David's life, it would have been much after that, but then when there was a jealousy that ultimately Saul had for him, and so then a desire to get rid of him and make sure that he wouldn't become the heir to the throne and that Saul would actually get the commanders of his own uh, army to go after David and to pursue him. And how many times David would have wondered, like, is anybody in there raising their hand and saying, why are we doing this? Why are we going against the Lord's anointed? David is out there in the wilderness saying, I'm not going to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. But is there anybody in Saul's circle that's willing to stand up and say, Saul, it's not David who's removed you as king. It's the Lord who's removed you as king. And you need somebody in your life to tell you the truth. You're not listening to your own son, Jonathan, who's willing to speak the truth to you. You're not listening to David. You're not listening to Samuel. Who are you listening to? Sadly, not many people. Not anybody that was willing to say what he needed to hear. And that becomes a temptation many times uh, whenever we are often in charge of things. If we are in charge and have the responsibility, and other people see us that way, it's possible that then we can use being in charge to make sure we're only surrounded by people who tell us the things we want to hear, which is really, really dangerous. It's dangerous outside of the church. It's dangerous inside the church. If we believe the truth sets us free, it frees us from needing constant flattery or being surrounded by deception so that we only hear things that are nice or kind rather than what is true and honest. Because we need to be fully human and the people around us need to be able to be human and express themselves with integrity. And part of what happens when, we don't, when that environment does not exist and the only things that can be shared are things that are positive and good is that the real pain and hurt that is going on is often neglected. And so in verse, uh, verse 3 and 4, David prays, Lord, would you cut off these flattering lips? Would you uh, enable these people to no longer think that they can just speak these problems out of existence? And so in verse 5, it says, because the poor are plundered and because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. And so the truth that sets us free frees us for empathy and compassion for the real suffering and pain that is all around us. Oftentimes, if we can't handle the truth about ourselves, we often struggle to also handle the truth of the world around us. And so if, if we want to live in a bubble where we can only hear nice things, 
then we also want to close off our eyes and live in a world where only good things happen. And we don't live in that world. And we need people around us who remind us that, hey, we're not home yet. This isn't the heaven that the scriptures promise us. There is real pain. There are real consequences. There is real suffering. And the goal is not, oh, no, we've got to just discourage everybody. It's, no, no, no. It's there. We need to not ignore it. And then we can find ways to encourage one another to love people who are suffering in it. And we'd actually find that our lives would be filled with more joy, more, uh, uh, more sense of satisfaction, not by ignoring those realities, but by actually being honest about them. Entering into prayer with other people to say, what should we do about this? How should we address this? How can we come alongside these situations and help these people? If, if Jesus was the, the living example of one of the happiest people in the world who knew that his father was in charge of everything, that he had nothing to fear, and we see then in his life that he was regularly making himself available to the poor and the needy, the left out and the marginalized and the hurt, Jesus wasn't then walking around grumpy all the time. He was the one who is the source of abundant life and he was offering abundant life to everybody he was meeting and then telling his disciples to come alongside him in extending this empathy and this compassion. And when some of his disciples were like, hey, Jesus, don't you want us to rain down fire on some of these people who are walking away from him? He said, no, 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 that's not what I want you to do. Do you see me doing that as I'm walking around? There are so many people hurting around us. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Jesus was a powerful and the ultimate fulfillment of this promise in verse 5 and 6 of coming himself to come to those who are hurting and to provide them a place of safety. And that is the truth that frees us, that it frees us up to have empathy and compassion to see the very real needs that are around us without being overwhelmed by them. <clears throat> if we don't feel like we can talk about it, then we'll often just simply wrestle with it in our own minds. Then we'll feel very isolated in it. And usually when you feel isolated in something, it's not long before you feel overwhelmed by it. And so if you choose, instead of being isolated in it, to be honest about it and now have a community of people, even if it's a community of people who are grieving it together with you, you're actually growing stronger, even as what you feel is mostly weaker. But more and more people are invited in to bury the burden of what it is you already see is happening and others see is happening they were just wondering if anybody else saw what they saw. They're wondering if anybody else recognized that what's happening is not okay. And there's this way, a unique way, in which God knits us together to say to one another as we discover that we're both seeing the same thing. And we recognize that it doesn't reflect the heart or the purposes of God in our lives. That's the kind of honesty we need with one another.
not just to pretend and say everything's fine and everything is okay or will be okay, but to believe that it is ultimately the truth that will set us free. Uh, in a humorous way, in our home this past week, uh, we caught the very tail end of uh, Wheel of Fortune, and it was the prize puzzle at the very end, and the person didn't get the prize puzzle, and so then Pat Sajak did the, well, let me flip what you would have won, and to see what they now didn't win, and it was $40,000, and so I was like, oh, you know, sorry you didn't get this, but here's all the other things you got, and it's something that uh, we've seen many times before, uh, but uniquely this week, then, our oldest was like, you do not want to know what I would do with $40,000. And I was like, what would you do with $40,000? And he looked at me again, you do not want to know. I was like, no, now I really want to know what you would do. So if any one of you wants to give him $40,000 so we can find out, I, no, please don't. Uh, but there was this honesty even in his answer and uh, his hiding it to say, I don't know all that he's thinking, and it will probably be forever a mystery to me in terms of everything that he was wrestling with in that moment. But all of us often have lots of thoughts. But for us, it's more uh, many times, especially as we get through the Psalms, there are so many things that the Psalms say openly that we still say to ourselves, if I was honest about this, I'm not sure what my brothers and sisters in Christ would think about me if they knew how much I was hurting or even how angry at God I am right now or how uncertain I am about the situations that I'm in, I, I just don't even know if I'd still be sort of a welcome part of the community. Rather than seeing, no, no, no. These things have been said for a long time. <laughs> it's okay to say these things. It's okay to wrestle with some of these things. It's okay to wonder about some of the betrayal that all of us experience at different times from other people. And it's part of being willing to be open and honest about those things that ultimately then what we find is that the truth frees us for the hope of salvation. This is the last point. The way the psalm opens is save, O Lord. It's the, the same word which later uh, is part of the root word for Hosanna. Like save us now, Lord. We need you right now to save us. Coming to a place where we individually and collectively recognize that is one of the best places to be. We need to be truthful enough with ourselves to say, not only are we struggling with these things and we see that the world is struggling with these things, but we don't believe that we ourselves can rescue us from these things. We don't believe we're the answer for the world in handling all of these challenges. And so together we need to pray, Lord, save us. Help us now. When those words were spoken as Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that last week of his earthly ministry, they were appropriate words as people were crying out to him, save us now. And he knew he was entering into a week of some of the most significant deception and lying he would ever encounter. People would come to him and say, good teacher, and they'd ask a question. 
not really believing he was good, and with no intention of submitting to his teaching. And they flattered for a bit to try to catch him in a way that before the other people they could embarrass him, and he kept on uh, recognizing that and refusing to fall into that. But then there, any flattery ultimately turned to eventually blasphemy and accusing him of all kinds of things that he never did. And he was surrounded in Caiaphas's court and Pilate's court with deception and lies. But he was there and he endured that because he was intervening for you and for me. He was the Savior who came so that you and I could cry out to him and trust that we could be freed forever. He was willing to be refined in the furnace uh, as it here talks about the word of God being refined over time so that the preciousness of his salvation could be extended to you and to me. And this is the truth that the world needs. This is the truth that we share with the world. We don't say to the world, everything's okay and everyone's fine. We proclaim Christ and him crucified. That the pain and the suffering that we all experience, the pain and the suffering at times that we cause, that we know we are not sufficient for. That there is someone else who is. And he's never deceived. We can't deceive him through flattery. We can't deceive him through partial information. We can't deceive him in all of our attempts at lying. He knows what's true, and he knows who is being plundered and who is hurting. And he's available for each and every one of us. And when we receive that truth, we can experience the hope that his salvation alone offers us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its power. We thank you that you are not deceived in any way. We thank you that in your love for us, you always speak the truth to us. We thank you that in your love for this world, you always speak the truth about this world. And we thank you that you desire to use us as children of yours um, to glorify you by serving others who are hurting in this world. But Father, we do confess that in, in our humanity we, we struggle. Uh, we do not handle uh, conflict well. We do not handle rebuke, even from friends, even from loved ones, in the way that we should. And there's so many times where our own sense of shame and guilt causes us to despair rather than causes us to repent and to grow and to change and to experience the goodness that you would have for us in the loving accountability that you desire for us. And so we know that to love each other in this way and to love the world this way, we need all the grace and the mercy and the kindness and um, the long-suffering that your Holy Spirit could give fruit in our hearts and in our lives and so we pray that you would give us your spirit without measure 
so that we can be everything that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.